and I found myself yelling a lot and I thought it was a willpower issue. And every day I would go, okay, today I'm not going to yell. But then I did. Welcome to The Power of Kids Books, where we believe that books are a catalyst to inspire and empower change. I'm your host, Dory Durbin. Even though that we fully adore and feel a sense of pride and joy in our kids, we also cannot deny how sometimes our parenting emotions and triggers create a sense of battle that can leave our nerves and feelings unraveled and overwhelmed. This overwhelm can affect our relationships with our spouses, our kids, and our confidence as being a quote-unquote good parent. Fortunately, we can seek out other resources like today's guest. Today's guest is a parenting coach who has personally felt parenting struggles, but through her experiences as a corporate leadership trainer, counselor, and now coach, she has found solutions to get her and her husband on the same parenting page, stop family discord, and bring peace and listening back into their house. So welcome to the show, Sharon Epstein. Oh, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. I, you know, they never get to hear our conversations before the podcast. <laughs> and I just have really enjoyed getting to know you. And I know they're just going to love the information that you have, especially how you got where you are. Can you share some of that with us? Oh, sure. Um, I realized looking back that, you know, one of the places where my journey began was as a child. And I think, you know, as parents, our parenting journey begins when we're children. That's when we start learning first about ourselves, about other people in the world. And I grew up in a really loving home, but there was a lot of conflict, a lot of yelling. And as a kid, I just remember thinking, I want out of this. I don't want to be with so much yelling and conflict. And when I grow up, I want to have a peaceful home. I don't want yelling in my home. I just want everyone to get along and for it to be so much easier. Um, and so I went into um, the field of corporate tr leadership training, where I helped managers and leaders learn how to manage their employees and a lot about communication. Um, I worked a lot in conflict management. I have a background in counseling. I also volunteered on a suicide hotline. And um, at a certain point, I thought, oh, I know so much. And let me think about how I could apply this to being a good parent. And I thought I knew quite a lot. Um, and then I became a parent. And when my first child, it went really well. She was pretty easygoing. I'm like, oh, I've, I've really got this down. And then I had my second child who was really strong-willed. And I'm like, oh, this is not as easy as it used to be. <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> and I found myself yelling a lot. And I was really beating myself up for that because for all the reasons that I just explained. And I thought it was a willpower issue. And I'm, every day I would go, okay, today I'm not going to yell. But then I did. And it got to a point where I finally kind of had that breaking, you know, the, the straw that breaks the camel's back moment. And I had just yelled at my daughter because she didn't clean her room. And I'm like, I just can't do this anymore. You know, those words come out of your mouth. You're like, oh, my goodness, what are you doing? And at that point, I really had to stop and think about, you know, why was I so stressed out? What did I already know about working with people and conflict, excuse me, and how could I really apply that to the situation? You know, I was not very good at asking for help then. And so I struggled for much longer than I needed to with all of this. I wish I could have had someone to help me. And once I figured all that out, that's when I figured out solutions that really calmed everything down in my house. As you mentioned, my husband and I had not been on the same page about parenting. I tried things. He's like, oh, that works. Okay, I'll try that too. So that got <laughs> us back on the same page, which was wonderful because I really didn't like the conflict with him either, you know, since I don't like conflict either about anything. So um, 
that really brought a lot more harmony into my home. And then other parents started noticing that my kids listened to me. So for example, at the end of a play date, I would say, it's time to go. And my kids would say, okay. And the other parents would say, oh my goodness, what kind of magic do you have that they just say, okay, and they're not running around or, you know, ignoring you. So I started sharing some of my suggestions with them and they worked, um, which was really gratifying. And at that point, I decided that I wanted to become a parent coach. So I really studied a lot of child development. I became a certified life coach and I started my business and I've never looked back. It is the most rewarding thing for me be for me to be able to share what I've learned with other parents who are going through similar type of struggles um, and parents who really love their kids and want the best for them and just want more harmony and peace and ease and love and joy, you know, every day in their home. Also, like we complain because we're looking for people to validate us, right? We want to know that we're not alone. And so it can be really helpful to, you know, it feels in the moment really helpful to complain to other people because one, it gives you an outlet, right? It allows you maybe to be heard a little bit if the other person's a good listener and the people can say, yeah, me too. And you're like, mm -hmm. okay, I'm not alone. I think the only caveat or, you know, warning I give to parents is that that allows you, if you don't then do anything that validates, okay, we're all struggling. I don't have to do anything because that's normal. And what may be missed is, okay, we're all struggling, but we don't all have to struggle. We could ask for help. We could find new ways of interacting with our kids that would remove the struggle or lessen it and help us feel better about well, how we're being as parents. Because I don't think it feels good to stay stuck in that struggle. It did feel good to me. Um, and even if I talk to other people about it, yeah, okay, I'm not alone, but I'm still struggling. Yeah. So I think it's always good to ask for help. You know, find, always talk to other people. Yes, solidarity. We're not alone. But then don't stay. Don't stay stuck in it. Don't stay stuck in it. Yeah, I, and I think that's that's really an interesting point too. Is like if you feel like you're stuck in something, that you tend to limit what you think is available to you, or you limit possibilities. You know, you you're kind of stuck in that box and can't think outside of it. So when you talk about having a relationship. Um, struggles with your husband, I'm thinking, yeah, because like, you feel like you're trying to get this, this motion that isn't going and you're like stuck in the mud and you're just spinning. Um, so it's a really tough spot to be in. Yeah, it is. And you know, you're both trying a different approach. And you're both 100% sure that your approach is right. But neither one is working quite right. <laughs> um, <laughs> in addition to your arguments about what the best way is, right? So there's usually truth in both. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can take pieces of both and also learn some new ways um, that may help. And you know, we come at parenting from our own background, right? You had certain experiences growing up, your partner had different ones, maybe growing up, maybe some of that is what attracted you to each other, like those differences in each other, right? And but then they inform your parenting. And so then, you know, just like any other issue, whether it's religion or money or any other kinds of big issues, right, that come up in relationships, parenting can be similar. But again, there's a way to work that out if you want to. I love the fact that your background is so diverse in communicating and listening. And I think that that's, that's something that, <laughs> that we struggle with as people, much less as parents too. Do you find that's true with your clients? Uh, yes. I mean, communicate, it's all about communication and listening. Yes. Mm -hmm. And empathy. I would say those like fundamental pieces. Yes. And why, why should we be good at that? Like, did we have good models for that growing up? Yes. If we're really lucky, right? Cause you know, I always say that parenting is one of the only big jobs that we get where there's no training, right? Any other job you take in the corporate workplace or whatever, right? You get training. We don't get training for this. We're 
you know, relying on what we know and what our experience is. And we're all in every moment doing the very best that we can. And that's yeah. sort of like a really important message I want to get across to your listeners is that um, anything that we talk about today, there's, I always say it's a blame-free, shame-free zone. We're all just doing the best that we can with what we know now. And maybe there are some things that we haven't learned yet. Okay, so we could learn those. Like, it's all very possible. We can make these mistakes and we can turn them around, that it's not a life or death situation when you make a mistake. It's actually like a learn from it experience, right? Yeah, sometimes I like to say that parenting can be the ultimate personal growth experience if you want to look at it that right, right? Because there are all these challenges that are personal challenges and are like, oh, but again, you could say, okay, I'm having trouble with this. So how can I get better at this and make this easier? And the other thing I like to share too is that parenting offers almost unlimited second chances. If we mess up, we can apologize to our child. We can repair, you know, the misunderstanding or the hurt that we caused. And we can ask for a do-over and try again. And kids know when we mess up, right? It's not a secret, but they are so happy when we come to them and apologize and try to make it right because that reinforces for them how much we love them. It's so reassuring to a child to have a parent come and do those things. They're like, oh, this person really cares about me. They want to make it right. So sometimes we don't realize that and that can hold us back from thinking that we have a second chance and that we can, you know, repair it, but, you know, take it. It's golden. It's golden. And not only does it then improve the relationship with your child in that moment, you're also modeling for them how they can do the same when they may make a mistake with you, with friends, with future partners, wherever. It's it's such a multi-purpose learning moment for everybody and it has lasting value. Yeah, because you're you're constantly trying to train them for what happens beyond you and what happens in the next stage or the next group of friends or whatever the next is that you can't really control, but you can help them develop those skills that they can use to handle situations. Absolutely. Yes. That's exactly what the repairing is or the listening is or any of the things we're talking about. 100%. Hey, experts. Do you have fabulous content for parents that helps kids? Well, consider writing a kid's book. You know what? We should totally chat. Use the link in the podcast notes and let's talk soon. And now back to the podcast. Now, we also talked about triggers. I want for you to talk a little bit about triggers in parenting and just even what triggers are. Yeah. So again, I want to say before we get into this, that no shame, no blame about this, because I used to be triggered. Everybody gets, almost everybody gets triggered, right? So it's just want to normalize that. It's so common. Um, And again, we're all doing the best we can when we get triggered. But essentially, it's a reaction in the present because of some unresolved feeling or emotional wound that we had for the past. So you're kind of in a time warp, right? Because you're reacting to something in real time, but it's based on something that's, that's not happening in this moment to some degree, right? So it's, it's interesting in that way. And so what happens typically, what it looks like is your child does something. Maybe they say no, maybe they don't do what you ask them to do. Maybe they're having a tantrum. Maybe they're fighting with a sibling. Maybe they're just like want a lot of attention from you and you just don't feel like you can give it. You're just exhausted at that moment. And the three most common reactions that we have are we yell, we freeze, or we like want to run away and go to our room and just have a break. So we call that, you know, fight, flight, and freeze. 
And in those moments, what's happening is we're just disconnecting emotionally from our child to protect ourselves. Hmm. And it's a split second reaction. So it doesn't feel like there's any pause between what your child says and then your immediate response. But there, again, there's a really good reason that that's happening. Yeah, I really have never thought of it that way. Wow. So give me some more examples of what triggers might look like for people. Yeah. So here are some um, indications that you might be having a triggered reaction. So, excuse me, if you ever find yourself excessively angry at your kids, or maybe you're, on the other hand, you're feeling really sad or hurt or rejected or upset by your child's behavior, even to the point where you might be crying. Or do you ever reflect on a situation afterwards and realize that you kind of overreacted to it, that your response seemed disproportionate to what your child did? Or do you ever feel just like you were completely out of control in that? Or sometimes people say, it's kind of like a deja vu feeling. These feelings kind of feel familiar to me, but I don't know where they're from. Or do you ever have the urge to slap your child or spank them, even though you yourself don't believe in that kind of thing, but you just feel this urge like like you're going to, you want to hit them just because, you know, everything is built up so much inside. So those would be some good indications that you are having a triggered moment. So they're very powerful, maybe even bodily reactions that you're feeling that you might not be aware of mentally. Yeah. And then I would add just the other one too. You just feel like you shut down Mm. Um, or that, like I mentioned earlier, you just want to get out of that space and just go to your room and just be by yourself, like slam the door, just have peace and quiet all by yourself. Like it's just too much. So do triggers ever occur more than one at a time? You could. Yes. There's usually a dominant one though. Like for example, um, you know, if we think about things based on the past, so there's these common um, feelings that we have. So if you're ever feeling like kind of your child is the enemy when they get upset, almost, you know, that they're opposing you. Well, maybe it's because your parents reacted really harshly to you when you would kind of stand up for yourself, mm-hmm. right? So I'm going to go through a couple and you, mm-hmm. and maybe in answer to your question, you experienced a whole bunch of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's more likely that there is one or two dominant themes that you experience from your parents simply because that's just how it works. And we don't usually have everything all at once um, based on our experience. Or, you know, if you feel more helpless or frustrated when your child is, is upset, maybe because that's because you were kind of neglected or ignored or sent to your room to figure out feelings all by yourself. Mm-hmm. And you didn't know how to do that. Or if you feel particularly caught in a power struggle with your child. Well, maybe it's because you were taught as a child that you shouldn't disobey, but you were pretty strong, right? And the part of the got part of you got kind of squashed. Or if you're feeling kind of very anxious or insecure when your child is having a meltdown or, you know, because they're having such big feelings, maybe it's because when you had big feelings as a child, that wasn't okay. They were made fun of or ignored and you were stuck with it. So you again, you're kind of blocked there. Or if you feel disrespected, I know that was a big one for me right? It's because we didn't feel like we got enough respect as a child. Or if you're very self-critical, that's another one for me. So yeah, I guess I had two. It's because, you know, maybe growing up, we got the message that we weren't good enough, or we, you know, somehow we misinterpreted things and thought we weren't good enough. Um, So again, yes, you can have more than one. Yeah, but probably not all of them at once. Yeah. Let's say you have a reaction to something that your kid triggered. Mm-hmm. And you 
are able to assess that it's something from your past, you still want to enact on it. How do you stop that from happening? Where do you break that habit? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, So there's two main places to break the habit. One is in the moment. And one is in the long term where you have to do some more introspection, usually with coaching and some support to kind of figure it all out. So you can come up with a plan for all the different pieces that are going on for you. Um, But I'll just give kind of a few general comments and then go into a few specifics about each of those, if that's okay. Great. Yeah. So again, I would reiterate that it's not a willpower issue. Like I said, um, for me, every day I thought that I could stop myself from yelling. It has never anything to do with willpower because if, if it was willpower, you'd be done already, right? It's because <laughs> right. of something something that you still need to work through. I wish it were that easy. Yeah. Um, and then the overarching approach to this is just to accept yourself and accept what's happening um, rather than um, deciding that you're bad or you're a bad parent or you're messing up your kids or just beating yourself up for it or trying to force yourself to stop. Um, one of the things that I always say to parents is that if you're having the thought, I'm a bad parent, I'm messing up, that's actually the clue that you're a great parent because a bad parent would never think that the fact that you're thinking it means you really love your kids. You really want to do your best for them. You want them to be the best. And so you're upset that it's not working out quite as you hope, right? But there's that, but the hope piece is important. Again, you're doing the best you can. You're a great parent. There are just some things you haven't learned yet, and you can learn them. Um, And our triggered reaction actually can be a resistance to what's happening in the moment. Like, I don't like this. I want this to stop, right? So, again, that's another clue that you're you're getting ready to make some changes if you you really pay attention to that and accept that. Accept that you don't like it. Okay, great. You could work with that. Um, And in general, whenever we're having difficult feelings, accepting them is the way to work through them. Because when you don't accept them, when you try to ignore them or stuff them or force them out, um, they're still there. And they're going to come up in other ways, right? It might come up in physical ailments. It might come up and you can't sleep at night. It might come up that you gnash your teeth or your blood pressure goes up. It's going to still be there. So the more that we can accept it and kind of forgive ourselves for it, um, the easier we make it for, make it for ourselves. So that's kind of some kind of underpinnings and, and big picture pieces. Um, in the moment, the first thing that you can do is just pause. Most situations with your kids, unless like they're running into the street, then that this is an exception, right? Do not need to be dealt with right that moment. You can take a pause for a few minutes and just to try to calm yourself down. So if you can remember that, say, okay, I'm going to take a pause. For some people, it helps to breathe. So if you can just take some deep breaths in and out. Um, there's some research by a professor at Harvard. Her name is Jill Bolt-Taylor. And what she found is that it takes 90 seconds for the stress of a moment to kind of cycle through your brain with all the neurons firing and the chemicals going around. And if we can wait 90 seconds of breathing, easier said than done, um, a lot of that stress is going to leave our body. What happens, though, and I'm certainly guilty of this, is that we keep thinking about it, right? And so every time we think about it again, how mad we are, how frustrated we are, whatever, then our brain goes through that whole cycle again. And so it keeps us in that stressful moment. So sometimes knowing that can help, too. I just need to kind of relax for 90 seconds and I'm going to feel better. Um, 
And then I do also have a guide that I'll, I'll link people to at the end that talks about four more concrete steps they can take to find calm in those moments. It's a little bit too much to go in here, but I give a, give a variety of um, options that people can take because what works best for you beyond the pausing and the breathing and the acceptance really varies by person. Um, and so I like to give people options that work for them, but just to start with pausing and breathing and just realizing that you're okay. You can get through this. It's normal. There's nothing wrong with you. You're just having a reaction. Um, a lot of that do a lot of that kind of thinking and, and practice can help calm you down in the moment. It's so funny. We underplay breathing because it seems too simple, right? But right. 90 seconds worth of breathing is a long time in some ways. Yeah. You can practice and just see what it feels like. Sometimes, you know, it helps to do these things ahead of time so that when you get to the moment, it's a little bit more muscle memory. It's a little bit more familiar to you. Um, so anything that's going to help make this an, an, an easier go-to strategy in the moment, I always think is a great idea. So practice breathing for 90 seconds if you want. See how it goes. But again, even just practicing it periodically will make it more available to you if you want to use that strategy in the moment. So how would I know I needed outside help? Yeah, well, I think you'll know by some of the reactions that I mentioned earlier, right? If you really are feeling that your reaction is an overreaction or you felt like hitting your kids, even though you don't agree with that. And by the way, everything that I teach has nothing to do with um, spanking or hitting or any of that kind of stuff. Or if you're just feeling like you want to escape, like it's just too much to handle. Or if you're in these patterns that keeping keep coming up over and over again, and no matter how hard, how hard you try, you can't fix it on your own. Um, or if you're just kind of feeling like, why can't I get my kid to listen? And why, why are they not behaving? And why are they having these tantrums and everything I try, like it just doesn't work. Any of those kinds of things would be a clue to, uh, to, to get some outside help. And then what do you think parents should equip their kids with from your perspective as a parenting coach? What is something that you feel that they really need to make sure their kids have an understanding on earlier in life? I think that if you can set a foundation for them where um, you really listen to them and you use a lot of empathy so that you, they get the feeling and they also have the experience with you, that you make time for them, that you understand how they feel. Even if you don't agree, that's okay. <laughs> like they may be really upset that so-and-so didn't play with them at recess or whatever, that and you don't think it's that big a deal, but to them, it's the world, right? So if they get the the feeling, the experience that you take them seriously, that you're listening, that you show that you understand and that you support them, you're giving them this foundation where they can feel good about themselves. Because when children feel accepted by us, then they believe that they're okay, right? And you might think for yourselves, your listeners might think for yourselves, who in your life gave you that feeling? Like, who did you have that experience with any time in your life? And what was that like? I bet it was a gift. And how can you give that gift to kids so that they grow up again with more confidence? And then if kids grow up experiencing listening and experiencing empathy, then they're going to be able to give that to you. They're going to be able to give that to their siblings. They're going to be able to give that to their friends, again, their partners, to everyone who, who they encounter in their life. And that's going to make them fabulous people. As you were speaking, I was thinking of college coaches, how the old school way was to tear them down so you can build them back up. But it's really not. The, it's the opposite of that. It's build them up so they can continue to build up and, and be OK when they're torn down. So, yes, yeah. yes. And I hope they don't get torn down. But, yeah, the thing <laughs> is that the listening and empathy gives them the capacity for so much resilience. 
right? Yeah. So when they do encounter difficulties, they have you to turn to. They believe in their ability to handle things, right? Because they have more self-confidence. So yeah, mm-hmm. there's so fundamental. Well, you have given us some great nuggets and some fantastic advice. Where can people reach out to get a hold of you the easiest and the simplest? The easiest and simplest way is on my website, SharonEpsteinCoaching.com. Uh, my free guide is there if you'd like to sign up for that. I have a blog there, um, a newsletter you can sign up for. Again, I also do one-on-one coaching with um, individual parents or couples together. There's information there about how to work with me. And that starts, um, if you're interested in coaching, that starts with a free confidential consultation call where we'll just get to know each other, talk about what you'd like help with. If you're interested, I'll share how I can help. Uh, There's no pressure. I only want to work with people who want to work with me. Um, But what people always tell me is that they leave those conversations with a feeling of hope. And that's really kind of what I want to leave people with today, that no matter what you're struggling with, parenting, there is always hope. We are all on a parenting journey. We're all doing the best that we can at this moment. And at each moment, we also have the capacity to learn a little bit more and do a little bit do a little bit better than we did yesterday. So there is always hope. That's beautiful and so true. Well, Sharon, thank you so much for your time today. I can't wait for people to reach out to you and to get the help and the encouragement that they need. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to be here. Thank you.